Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Culture Conversations, Columbia Chronicles culture podcast, where we talk about recent pop culture happenings. As always, I am your host, Miranda Manier, multimedia reporter with the Columbia Chronicle, and I am here today with Micah Thurston. I'm the advertising manager for the Chronicle. And I'm Mike Rundle. I am a staff photographer. All right. Um, we're going to shake things up today. I'm going to put you guys on your feet. Yeah, I'm not going to go first. Uh, I nominate Mike to All go right, first. Okay. Mike. I guess I will start the conversations <laughs> today. And this is really keeping us on our toes. Oh, yeah. And, they did not know this. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll start off with uh, let's talk about Bohemian Rhapsody, the new movie about Freddie Mercury and Queen. Um, and obviously, y'all probably heard about it because it's been everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess what what have you both heard about it? So I have seen some mixed reviews. Um, I have seen a lot of people saying a lot of really good things. Um, some, I think that like critically, it's not getting the best reviews, although I know it did well at the box office. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've also, I've heard a lot of negative things about how Freddie Mercury's sexuality is portrayed in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of exactly what I want to talk about was the fact that they kind of just seemingly glossed over or avoided the um the topic of freddie mercury's sexuality Hmm. and um i guess i'll this tweet by uh guy branham on twitter kind of summed it up um and the tweet is quote i just saw bohemian rhapsody and learned that you can contract aids from lingering eye contact with unnamed male extras so that's kind of like exactly (laughs) what my feelings were afterward it was like they the movie seemed like afraid to show any actual like sexual activity Mm -hmm. um but at the same time um in another billboard article they talked about how like throughout his life freddie mercury was very private about his sexuality so Mm. maybe they were just doing that but like at first to me it seemed like they were just kind of like afraid to confront the topic because it was Mm. hard to talk about yeah that's where i'm at with it because it's um you know i'm back and forth with like whoa and i haven't seen the film so i can't really develop like a full opinion on it but um if they were skipping over the topic in order to respect freddie mercury's um wishes for the media and the public to stay out of his sexual life and his sexuality then i completely understand that but if they were skipping over it because they were afraid to show gay sex or they were afraid to talk about something like hiv and aids because it is a heavy topic then that's completely irresponsible yeah because i mean at that time frame HIV and AIDS was already not talked about and that's why it was able to spread and kill and kill so many people um so yeah Yeah, I agree I think that I mean from what I've read they they showed that he had AIDS um but they completely like manipulated the facts they showed that he had it as sort of like a motivation for Queen to get back together and perform at Live Aid Mm -hmm. when in reality he was diagnosed two years after the Live Aid performance Mm -hmm. So I I think that, to me, I, I, I sort of have a problem with the fact that they got to, like, reap the tragedy, emotional benefits of mm-hmm. his sexual life mm-hmm. without actually, like, showing any of what really happened. Right. Um, yeah. And just, like, actually completely glossing over it. Like, I just, I, I understand that maybe, like, that's what he would have wanted, but I also think that, like, at some point when you're a public figure it sort of goes beyond you. Mm-hmm. And in terms of like a historical narrative, I think it probably would have been important for people to see him as 
a gay man or a bisexual man. I'm not sure how he had identified. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't know. I think that that could have been really good representation. And instead it just showed young gay kids that if you have gay sex, you're going to get AIDS. Yeah, <laughs> like it didn't and, show yeah. the complexity of what his relationships with men might've been. Right. And that's kind of how it was almost presented to like, he announced to the band or in the film like this none of this really happened in real life as you said because this, this <laughs> document or his diagnosis came two years after live aid so like in the film leading up to their performance he announces to the band that he's been diagnosed with aids um kind of as like a like let's come together and do this because i have this problem which like we said didn't actually happen right and the his supposed diagnosis came after he had fired his assistant slash lover, Paul, who, where there, there was all this tension with throughout the movie. Mm. And after like he had been shown or not again, not actually shown, but mm-hmm. inferred to be going on like ragers and doing drugs and stuff. So like oh, it, they weird. almost presented the diagnosis in the film as a sort of punishment. It seemed like almost like, if you do all these things, you will get HIV. And I was like, that doesn't yeah, I am seem not to make like that. sense. That's not helpful. <laughs> yeah. I also think that, like, I mean, from what you're saying, if it's if it's showing his relationship with a gay man as, like, going to ragers and doing drugs, like, that's mm-hmm. the way they depict his mm-hmm. queerness. And, that's and then already a stereotype gets, exactly. about um, queer people, especially during the eighties as like sexually promiscuous and irresponsible people. So I don't like that (laughs) for me. Yeah. That's very obviously blatantly wrong to, um, take various, very important events in his life and rearrange the timeframe in order to, um, create a better film. I mean, it's a biopic. It should stay true to the story it's his story it's not yours to create right and that's that's kind of what i was thinking too is that like they like the there are two members of the band co-produced this film that's right so like and and like there was so much drama at the beginning of this because um brian singer was originally supposed to be the director and because of creative differences um he was tossed um, I don't really know the details of that. I'm pretty sure it was like in the news for a couple of weeks. I don't remember. It's been a while. Um, but also like Sasha Baron Cohen was originally supposed to play Freddie Mercury. That is so strange. And <laughs> That's he... the worst. That is terrible. The only similarity I see is the mustache. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And like he, in this Billboard article, he uh, supposedly said that he wanted to tell the story, quote, warts and all. So, like, he was, like, if they would have gone with him, it would have been, like, a very, like, uh, gritty, like, edgy type story, perhaps. And uh, the two guys in the band that were working on the movie together, like, ousted him because they're like, that's not what we want to do. Yeah, I think from from what I've heard of it, they, it's like a really fun movie. Is that, like, it's supposed to just be, like, really enjoyable. So I feel like they were trying to go for that and maybe thought that, like, showing him being gay would make it too like contrary like there would mm-hmm. be too much to talk about mm-hmm. and yeah. people wouldn't enjoy it as much yeah. i don't know it's just the idea of you know like again like equality throughout and not just backing up the stereotypes right of people in the lgbt plus community and i feel like that's kind of what um bohemian rhapsody did to a certain extent 
they did back up of, the stereotypes yeah i mean okay. a little bit because they kind of just vilified everything he was doing or freddie mercury was doing or um and then going off of that kind of presented the aids diagnosis as a punishment mm -hmm. and again didn't kind of show any of his sexuality other than just like very vague things that like anyone that wasn't paying attention would not really pick up because like it was just like oh he suddenly has aids right. out of nowhere like how did this happen <laughs> yeah so i don't know but shonda rhimes is doing it right so maybe they should look at her if they <laughs> ever do a reboot her. there you go so. and sasha vera cohen can star <laughs> yes um i'll go second you can go last this time micah how's that oh, okay <laughs> So I would like to talk about something that was in the news um, a little over a week ago. Uh, Rebel Wilson is starring in a soon-to-be-released romantic comedy called Isn't It Romantic? <laughs> um, and she was on The Ellen Show a while ago, and she said while Ellen was chatting with her and, I don't know, making her go through a haunted house or whatever Ellen does, <laughs> she Rebel Wilson said that she... Um, was happy to be the first plus-size woman to star in a romantic comedy. Um, <laughs> she immediately got so much backlash. <laughs> um, that that, that tickled my <laughs> um, Basically, there was a lot of backlash saying that she was completely erasing all of the romantic comedies that have come out of the black community mm -hmm. with stars like Queen Latifah and Monique. Um yes. Monique's is literally called Fat Girls. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, Come so on she, now. I, she had a very strange response to what people were saying. Basically, she said that um, she didn't know if the women were plus size at the time of filming and if those movies could be billed as romantic comedies. So it was a gray area, which I thought was really interesting because... I really don't believe that she sat down and thought about that before she made those remarks on Ellen. It, it seems to me like she was just, you know, covering her own tracks. Mm -hmm. It, it kind of seemed like a cop-out. Um, yeah, and... to me... Sorry, no, I'm sorry. please. <laughs> I always do that. To me, what she said was perfectly fine initially. Like, her... I'm a plus-size woman in a rom-com. Like, mm -hmm. to me, that was perfectly fine. Because if she forgot about the, those movies, I don't know. I'm not upset with sure. her. But if... People came forward and were like, oh, no, actually, you're not. Remember mm -hmm. these films um, pay homage, like give credit where it's due. Right. And then her response to that, that's where it became an issue. Because it's like, these are very clearly plus size women. Mm -hmm. and they're also women of color. Right. And you're just completely ignoring it. I mean, yeah, it was. I, I think that she was contributing to an erasure that already happens of black films. Mm -hmm. And. Yeah, it, she was basically saying, like, oh, those don't count. Exactly. Like, they're that, black films. They're not block, blockbusters like mine. Yeah, you know? it felt like that was the message Honestly, behind her. Honestly, her film shouldn't best. be blockbusters anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, she also, and then once people, like, completely trashed her for her response to those tweets, she started blocking yeah. women God. on Twitter. And she oh just had, gosh. like, an all-around terrible response to it until um, uh, this past Monday, her we assume her PR people were like you can't be doing this everyone is so mad at you and she like unblocked all of the black women she had blocked on Twitter oh and was like gosh. I'm really sorry I didn't understand um which you know like you said Micah like okay maybe you didn't know those movies mm -hmm. like first of all maybe she could acknowledge 
how it's a problem that she didn't know those movies and how like it, it feels like she's the first plus size woman to be starring yeah. in a rom-com because those movies haven't gotten enough attention mm-hmm. or like second just own up to it and just yeah. say that you were wrong i don't know yeah, i mean like a when simple, people point oh, it out i'm sorry yeah exactly that's yeah. what i was gonna say like <laughs> you, yeah like when people point it out to Jeez. you you just have been like oh like oh sorry i forgot like yeah i was wrong and like i understand her wanting to be excited like you said like okay you're a plus size woman in a rom-com lead that's cool yeah no she should definitely should be proud and excited yeah. for that but mm-hmm. just continue. don't like just don't pretend you're the first one there i don't know only one when you're presented with other examples i don't know and i also i don't know like what do you guys think about a celebrity being defensive as a first response when people call them out for their their it shows guilt yeah immediately if they're immediately defensive i think it shows guilt like they know yeah exactly (laughs) yeah they know they did something wrong do you think it's understandable as a response i mean like I get defensive when people call me out on stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think it would. I think it would be acceptable if they like owned up to what they were doing, or they they acknowledge that they made a mistake, and they're like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's kind of complex, I guess. It depends for me. So, like, if someone comes at me like acting crazy, mm-hmm. like, and doesn't give me the chance to apologize or you know be like i didn't understand then i might get a little defensive like you don't need to yell at me we can just have a conversation about it but at the same time it's so frustrating to constantly correct people especially on issues of race when it's like we've been talking about this for 400 years how do you still yeah grasp that concept (laughs) so it's hard to be calm and respond to people in a respective man respectable manner um but at the same time i feel like just be patient with people who don't understand Mm -hmm. and try to have those conversations or else you'll just you know get the response that we got from bubble so right and shout out to Monique, actually, because she did tweet really respectfully at Rebel. Mm-hmm. Rebel did not respond. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, yikes. I know. See that? I don't know really? if she blocked her or not. I can't I can't speak on that. I really hope not. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, beyond Rebel Wilson and Freddie Mercury, Micah, yeah. it's finally your turn. <laughs> <laughs> My topic's actually pretty sim- I just realized that we've all been talking about representation in films. True. So that's wow. interesting. We always do that. We Look accidentally find a theme. <laughs> We always do. It's really cool. We don't plan that well, guys. (laughs) Um, I wanted to talk about Jonah Hill's directorial debut, uh, his latest, or I guess his first film. I guess that's what directorial debut means. (laughs) Um, Mid 90s, it came out. I don't know exactly when it came out, but it came out within the last month or so. Um, It was initially released, I believe, at the Toronto Film Festival. And um, it's received a lot of good um reviews from critics uh, it's been called oscar worthy by some wow. i don't know if i'd say oscar worthy <laughs> but i personally thought it was pretty good have you guys seen the film i did the see it actually check out an episode of chronicle headlines from a couple weeks ago and you can get snippets of an interview i did with some of the cast members of mid 90s okay. just a little plug shameless plug, <laughs> shameless plug. <laughs> what about you mike i have not seen it yet but i would love to okay so um, a lot of people have compared it to the film Kids from the 90s. Have you guys seen that mm, at yeah. all? I, I haven't seen that, that either. You I'm, haven't seen Kids? I, I'm oh. out of the loop, I guess. This is why you it's always talk about music. <laughs> That's true. That is true. That's very true. <laughs> okay, but anyway, um, 
So despite all of the great reviews on it, it has received some backlash for the way that it portrays toxic masculinity. And I wanted to have a conversation about this because I completely disagree with the backlash mm-hmm. on um, the toxic masculinity, I guess. Um, the way that the most of the cr- critics that have said that it wasn't handled well say that the use of homophobic slurs within the film and the way that the female characters are portrayed um, is irresponsible of Jonah Hill to do. Um, but in an interview he did with the Toronto Star, he actually talks directly about this. And he said, um, the interviewer asked, there's been talk about the language used in the film, particularly slurs against gay men. Do you have any comment on that reaction? And he said that old Ultimately, as a film- filmmaker and an artist, I made a choice to say that changing history is far more offensive than the lesson of showing how ugly it was. I'm not a moralist. I'm not here to tell you what I think. I personally think that language and a lot of the toxic masculinity and how they talk about women in the film and the slurs they call one another are horrible. But I think that is how young men spoke back then in that culture. And that's how, and that's important to show as opposed to lie about it. I think seeing it is the lesson and seeing how ugly it is, is the lesson. So what do you guys think about that? I, so I really, really liked the film. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually thought it had an amazing representation of masculinity because it was about these five young boys who mm-hmm. have this, these kind of, like, intimate friendships. Yeah. They, they get really vulnerable with each other. They share their lives with each other, which I think you don't see a lot in mm-hmm. film. Um, however, I, I do totally understand that backlash because there were definitely times in the movie where I was like, oh, man, like, that didn't feel completely necessary. Mm-hmm. But I... I get why he felt it was necessary because mm-hmm. that is how young boys talk and certainly how they talked back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that even they do show that kind of language being checked. Like one of the, one of the older boys uh, sits Stevie, the protagonist down at some point, And Stevie like says that saying that you care about something is gay or something. And the mm-hmm. older boy's like, man, that's not true. Like, screw yeah. That. Yeah. But, so I think that they do show that like they, they're not, letting that go unchecked mm-hmm. but it's just how they talked and it's also they're showing how it can be hurtful to think that way like there's the character who told stevie that Karen is gay uh reuben is clearly suffering a lot for thinking that he thinks that he can't like expose himself and be himself yeah because he thinks that he'll be seen as queer or something mm-hmm so I think that it's really showing the complexities of why toxic mas- masculinity is so dangerous. And I don't think that it's, I, th- I think it's needed to show mm-hmm. that kind of story. Yeah. And I think not even just in a historical sense, but also in like a geogra- geographical sense. I mean, they were in what, Western LA or Southern yeah. LA or something. Um, and they were skaters. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a pretty masculine male dominated um, culture or subgroup. Um, so to me, it completely makes sense that they were acting that way, whether or not you agree with it or um, obviously I don't support the use of homophobic slurs. But in a historical sense, it's accurate, I mm-hmm. suppose. Yeah, um, and I, mean, I think, like Jonah Hill said, we can learn from that. Like, when I watched the film, I was like, oh, my gosh, they do not need to keep saying that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how we can compare, like, the mid-90s to 2018. Yeah. We don't really use those words anymore, and it's because we've learned from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, growing up, like, I mean, it was, it was high school by the time people that, like, I 
would associate with would stop using Same. language like mm -hmm. that. I mean, yeah. And like this is coming from like middle class, primarily white, primarily Christian, Midwestern community, and obviously a very different situation than whatever West LA looked like at the time. Mm -hmm. And obviously, what a decade later, um, but the similar language is still being used. And I think uh, a lot of times in when little kids are just, or just guys are hanging out around each other, they, and kind of going back to what you said, Miranda, in the film, there's someone there to check it. But when mm -hmm. you have every all this group of kids that are the same age, coming from the same place, using the same language, no one's gonna, no one's gonna say anything to check one another unless you have someone that's like, has parents that does that for them. But yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. a lot of times you don't use that same language around adults. So mm -hmm. like no one is being is being checked at any point in the process yeah, for using really the language. Point. So yeah, and I think it was definitely necessary to have that language and have those behaviors in the film in order to make a commentary about how we teach boys like this is this is what it means to be a man. And that's why it's toxic. That's why we call it toxic masculinity, because we shouldn't be teaching those things, especially to young boys. I mean, Stevie, I think he was 13 mm -hmm. in the film, but the actor was actually like 11 when they filmed. Um, so he was very young, like he's a kid, whether he wants to be called it or not, but he's a kid. And um, those are the things that he was being taught. And I think it was necessary for Jonah Hill to make commentary on why do we teach kids to be like this mm -hmm. especially boys yeah um, i agree yeah looking back on it now it was like weird growing up like in a very in a community that was like very like this is like you got to be a man's man type of thing uh -huh. and it was like yeah. like for the love of god can we please talk about something other than weightlifting and call of duty <laughs> for once like like please nope. like let's just yeah i don't yeah. know it's I don't know. I would really love to see the movie, though. I, I haven't seen it yet, Yeah, but it sounds like I would recommend it. Yeah. I really like the... Um, and then apart from the language, what about the representation of uh, the female characters? Mm -hmm. So for Mike, since he hasn't seen the film, um, his mom is not very present in the film. And when she is, uh, they're talking about her, the, the two boys... Um, Stevie and his brother are talking about their mom like hooking up with random guys and strangers mm -hmm. and at one point you see a guy like leaving her bedroom and Stevie has no idea who he is from the expression on his face um so she's like she's basically there is like oh she's an irresponsible mom because she's having sex with all these people and she's not watching her kids and then there's there's a group of girls that hang out with Stevie's friend group and again they're only there and they when there's a sexual scene mm -hmm. um Stevie hooks up with a girl and then the girls talk like are talking about sex afterwards um and then the guys talk about them in a sexual way so basically the only time women are on screen in the film is if it's something sexual and yeah. um I don't know I don't know what to think about that I I mean First of all, like the the instance where Stevie hooks up with this girl, she is considerably older than him. She's she's <laughs> obviously older than yeah, him. I was say he was what thirteen in the film. Yeah, yeah and he's, he's eleven when they filmed. Yeah, so he's definitely like middle school age. She's definitely around the age of the older guy Stevie hangs out with. So like late high school. Mm -hmm. And I, it was very strange when I saw the movie because people were actually cheering when they started to hook up Ugh. which i found 
really jarring. <laughs> it, it felt a little statutory to me, to be honest. Um, and it was one of those situations where it's like, I, I wish that had been checked because that really seemed like this celebratory moment and we didn't get to see Stevie actually like dealing with any internal like nuance about mm-hmm. it other than he was nervous at first. Yeah. Um, it looked like he was about to start crying. It did. It I, was so yeah. disturbing. I just wanted to like reach in the screen and pull him out and be like, I'm so sorry that she's doing this to you. <laughs> so yeah. was it forced? Uh, no, but she... <laughs> Can he give consent? He's he, that's the yeah. thing. That's the thing. Like, like coerced. If it was, um, I don't know if you guys saw Eighth Grade. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. So there was a situation where there's this eighth grader and this older high school guy like traps her in his car mm-hmm. and starts to try and like make a move on her. Ugh. And it felt like a very similar situation. And in Eighth Grade, it was presented as this horrible traumatic thing for her, whereas in mid nineties, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Which is. Yeah. I, I wish that maybe they had examined that a little bit more. It's that like was a, weird. The, the trope of like, add a boy, slap on the back. You exactly. Know? Yeah. Like, that yeah. was totally the response. Yeah. To me, it actually seemed like it was forced because it, I don't know, it's hard to say, but based on his facial expression and his body language, he did not want to be there. Right. Um, but afterwards, you know, he got that affirmation from his friends and then it was okay and Mm -hmm. that was like his realization again of learning from older people like oh this is this is what i'm supposed to be doing this is right okay now i feel okay about it that's a good point um but in the during uh it was very clear that oh this is not okay yeah uh he kept telling her sorry i'm really nervous and she was like oh it's okay and she just kept going and it's like i don't know if somebody keeps telling you they're nervous you probably should be maybe back off yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. yeah, and what? Go ahead. I was, I mean, like, just in that environment, like, how often is a kid or a kid that's thirteen hanging out with kids that are eighteen, nineteen years old? How yeah. often is a kid that's thirteen is gonna do anything that goes against what these eighteen-year-old kids are wanting exactly. him to do? Exactly. Yeah. So exactly. I, that's I, why yeah. I say it's force. Also, like, not even we haven't even mentioned this, but he was trashed. He was really drunk. Yeah. They showed him throwing up afterwards. He was drinking like whole Colt 45s by himself. Yeah. And this <laughs> kid is like 90 13, pounds. Yeah. Nice. So like that, he could not consent 100% regardless. Yeah. So like, I don't know. That was, I. if anything, I would say that was the most questionable part of the movie to mm-hmm. me, not the language. So I guess my question for someone that hasn't seen the movie, was the, was the scene important to the plot? Hmm. Uh... That's hard. That is hard. Like, did it did it advance anything that uh, any narrative that was happening, or was it just kind of like a? I think another like deep deep dive into this like portrayed culture that was. Yeah, I think it was a deep dive into this portrayed culture of like, look at what toxic masculinity can do to you. Mm -hmm. Um, like, look what it's doing to this little kid. Um, I just don't think it landed quite that way. Yeah, I don't think it was it really did anything for the plot because after that the girl isn't even in the film no, she's in not it for like again. a second he's he like walks past her at the skate park and that's it yeah. she never shows up again um but i think it was also important just because it was so disturbing but at the same time with miranda's experience of like people in the crowd cheering maybe it just yeah. didn't come through as this isn't okay mm-hmm. so do we think that's the fault of jonah hill for not doing or not having an accurate representation of females in the movie um 
I it's mean, hard it, to like, assign blame. I would say that I wish he had done a better job. I don't know if that was his responsibility because he was primarily trying to reflect on male culture. Yeah. But like, I certainly wish that he had, <laughs> but yeah. I don't know, you know, yeah. that wasn't what it was about. Yeah. Again, I think every the pretty much the whole film was making a commentary. Uh, I've said this a million times. A commentary <laughs> on toxic masculinity, but I think for some audiences, it may not just have been as direct as it could have been mm-hmm. for them to understand. Oh, this is what the film's about. It's not like for me to reminisce and like, oh, I remember those days. You know, that's not. And Jonah Hill has said that that he didn't want to make a nostalgia film. He wanted to make a commentary on yeah. culture. Um, but I just don't think that he did it as well as he could have. Yeah. But I agree. Hmm. Not to end on a downer. <laughs> hey, it's his directorial really good debut. Film. What's Go in the future? See it. Yes, I agree. Um, just close your eyes at some parts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come into it being reflective and thoughtful and don't cheer when a child is statutory raped. Anyway, <laughs> thank you all so much for listening. Thanks to WCRX as always. And we will be back again in two weeks.